The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Well, good morning. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. Take your Bibles and turn with me over to the book of 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to be looking in chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. As you make your way over there, uh, some of you may remember that I preached from this general passage of Scripture last year. I'm not going to preach the same message as last year. This happens to be one of my favorite passages in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're looking at verses 1 through 13. When we come to this passage, we're looking at one of the most autobiographical passages uh, that Paul wrote. We get to see into his heart, his heart for ministry. And we want to look at some of that here this morning. Have you ever felt the frustration of somebody telling you, you need to do what's right? Somebody coming along and challenging you, you need to get busy. You need to be doing what God wants you to do but at the same time have the frustration of not exactly knowing how? Well, I I grew up in a church, and I would say very many positive things about the church that I grew up in. I got saved as a result of the bus ministry in that church. I got saved uh, as a result of the efforts of people who love the Lord, and, and they taught me so many things that are with me to this day. But I remember having some frustration. The frustration was along these lines. God hates sin. Now stop it. I I didn't quite know how to. I was looking for that step. I I was looking for that uh, way of taking what I've heard and putting it into practice. Well, what does it look like? How do I do that right now? Well, I would submit to you based upon the passage of Scripture that we're about to read here in just a moment that God wants his children to have a heart for service. God wants his children to have a heart for service. You might ask, well, what does it look like? If I were to do that, I would suggest to you that the life of the Apostle Paul provides three examples in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And as we read the scripture, we want to address this morning a message entitled, The Heart of a Servant. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we'll start reading in verse number 1. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain, But even after that we had suffered before, we were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak. Not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words... As ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren... Our labor and travail for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, 
we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses in God also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe, as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause we also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it. Not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Father, in these few moments that we have this morning to look to your word, our prayer would be that our hearts would be open. I'd ask that you would take the word of God as it's shared here in these moments and make it practical. May we be able to walk out of this room this morning being able to be uh, servants for you. We thank you for what you accomplish. And we again ask for your strength in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. It might be self-serving of me to get up here and say, I'd like to share with you some tips on how you could be better servants and then try to encourage you to come and work with all of us uh, in camps, in one of our camps in youth outreach ministry. Uh, but we also know that we've recently had presentations about mission trips. We know that there are all kinds of opportunities that you're going to have presented to you this year. Some of them are opportunities for ministry right now with Bible clubs. Some of them are opportunities of ministry when you go back home at Christmas break. There's all kinds of opportunities right here in the campus church that you could get involved in. But sometimes you hear somebody say, you need to be a servant. You need to be a servant. I would suggest to you that God wants his children to have a heart for service. And you ask, what does that look like? Well, let's look at three examples that the Apostle Paul presents to us here in the passage. The first example we're going to find uh, starts out in verse number one and goes through verse number six. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance unto you that it was not in vain. I would suggest to you if you have a heart for service, you'll faithfully steward the opportunities for service. If you have a heart for service, you say, well, what does it look like? How do I know what it is? What, what should it look like? Well, if you have a heart for service, you'll faithfully steward opportunities for service. And Paul starts out by saying that when he went to the church at Thessalonica, it was not in vain. He very much had a purpose. And I would suggest to you that it was on purpose. What we know about Paul when he went to this church, and I love the story, we find it back in the book of Acts. We find that, that Paul shows up and he doesn't get to spend but maybe four whole weeks with the church, the church of Thessalonica. And when we read the letters that Paul writes to that church, it, it seems like they, they hardly are doing anything wrong at all. In fact, it, it's hard to find a direct rebuke to the church at Thessalonica Paul only got to be with them for four weeks and he talked to them about so many things. Uh, he shared with them the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. He talked to them about the rapture. He talked to them about last things. He talked to them about how to live a life. He shares even his testimony with them and what it's like to be involved in ministry and caring. I would submit to you that Paul as an example of a servant, was very much taking the opportunities presented to him, and he was doing them on purpose. We read, for yourselves, brethren, know that our entrance to you, that it was not in vain. It's on purpose. But even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. 
there, there was opposition, of course, but Paul was energetic in his approach. His attitude was one of wanting to take and, and take the message that God had given to him and share it with other individuals. He didn't know when he first went to the city that he wouldn't be able to be there very long, but he eagerly embraced the opportunity. And he talks to them about Philippi. Uh, if I can remind you of the days that Paul and Silas were in jail in Philippi, many of you likely remember the story of the Philippian jailer and how he is about to take his own life because of an earthquake that happens in the middle of the night. Paul and Silas, they're there with a whole bunch of other prisoners and Paul calls out as the man runs to the jail to make sure that everybody's still there. He knows that the Romans would take his life if he allowed his charges to go. And so, stop! Don't kill yourself. We're all here. After having been so mistreated, Paul and Silas were singing in the jail at night. Paul has not been treated very well in this part of the world. He comes to the city of Thessalonica, ends up not being treated much better. He identifies that, but even still, he's looking for the opportunities and he's making the best of every opportunity that's presented itself. I might just wonder out loud here these few moments if there are opportunities that are coming along and whether or not you're taking advantage of them, whether you're being a good steward of the opportunities that presents themselves. We're asking the question today, what would it look like if you had a heart of service? Well, a heart of service is one that recognizes the opportunities, is a good steward of them. Paul says, starting in verse 3, for our exhortation was not of deceit nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. All three of these words, they kind of function together. Uh, Paul likely is responding to some of the challenges that have been made about his ministry. In Paul's day, it was not uncommon for somebody to make their way as an itinerant speaker of some kind to go into towns and, and maybe take advantage of people. They might be religious speakers or they may be others that are going into town, traveling teachers, try to draw a crowd to themselves to see what they could get out of them. And Paul wants the group to understand that he's coming with a purpose. And that purpose does not involve him trying to take them, him trying to uh, get money from them. Our exhortation was not of deceit. There's no error. There's no wandering around. There's, there's not any trickery that's involved here. He says, nor of uncleanness, there's no impure motive. Sometimes we'll take advantage of opportunities that are presented to us. But we don't do it out of a heart of service, but instead we take advantage of those opportunities because we get something out of it. Paul says, that's not me. Nor in guile, there's no deception, there's no fake practice. Perhaps we have some folks here uh, that enjoy going fishing. I don't know that I've done a lot of, of uh, freshwater fishing. I do enjoy saltwater fishing when I get a chance. Occasionally I'll go out to the pier at Pensacola Beach. And there at the pier, go out there. My favorite lure to use is what they call a gotcha lure. About this long. Has a couple of treble hooks on it. Uh, I like the chartreuse tip. First thing in the morning as the sun's coming up, cast it out there. And for those of you who are bass fishermen, you're kind of taking the rod and you're going like this as you're bringing it in, and in this motion right here, as you bring it in, it takes that uh, lure, and it makes it dart this direction, and this direction, this direction, and this direction, kind of a walk the dog type pattern. In Spanish mackerel, early in the morning, they see that little flash on that thing, and they go right after it. Oh, that's a lot of fun to watch them come in. 
Every once in a while there'll be a bigger fish that's now chasing the fish that I have, and that's fun too. Well, when I throw that lure out there, there's a little bit of deceit on my part. I want that fish to think, hey, that'd be good. That looks like something I'd like. And then, gotcha, as the Lord's name implies. Paul said, when I came, that's not the way I did it. I came and I I laid it out here. I I came on purpose and I laid out my purpose before you. I, I hope that it's clear, even though some folks would be accusing me of being here for ulterior motives or ulterior reasons, I know that this is an opportunity that God gave me to serve him This is an opportunity God gave me to serve you, and I'm here to please God. He says, verse 4, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak. So what would it look like if you had a heart of service? It suggests we see an example here that you would faithfully steward opportunities for service. He goes on to say, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust of the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. He's stewarding the message that he presents by also recognizing that it's important that he pleases God, not that he pleases men along the way. For neither at any times use we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. Again, not that deception, not not that, that secret way of where we're trying to get things from people. Have you ever had somebody, maybe it's happened already today, but have you ever had somebody come up to you and they're telling you all kinds of nice things about you? Wow, you look sharp today. Hey, have I ever complimented you? About the third time somebody's paying you some kind of compliment like that, you're wondering, what's up? What do you want? What do you want? Well, Paul said, when I came to you, I came genuinely. When I came to you, I didn't come throwing some things that are out there. I I didn't throw some things that that, that might work. There are lots of skills that a person can learn in this life to to maybe get a sell. There are lots of skills that you could learn potentially to be able to get along with people. I was attending a John Maxwell event here several years ago, uh, downtown Pensacola at the Bay Center. And when I was at that event, he started talking about the things that you do and whether or not you're doing them for your benefit or you're doing them for somebody else's benefit. And when you use a little trick on somebody and you get the benefit from it, he called that manipulation. And I don't remember what he called it when the things that he was doing were were positive. In my mind, I tried to, to rework it a little bit. You need to make sure you have the right motive, and you certainly don't want to be be tricking somebody into something, but you want to create an eager want in them. I align that more with discipleship. Paul came. He was winsome in the way that he presented the truth. But the apostle Paul was not trying to manipulate them. Even more so, he says in verse 6, Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostle of Christ. I wasn't coming to you so that I could get something out of it. I've suggested to you that when you want to know what it looks like to be a servant, if we look at Paul's life, if you had a heart of service, we'd say you would faithfully steward the opportunities for service. May I suggest to you, don't miss the opportunities that God gives to you. Don't miss the opportunities that are taking place around you here this week. Don't miss those opportunities for service. I'd also say, don't serve for your benefit, serve for the benefit of others. 
If you're wisely stewarding those opportunities, you're not doing something so you get something from it. You do something so that you can give. You're doing something so you can give of yourself. I would suggest to you, we look back to that word in verse number 3, where Paul says, we are bold in our God to speak unto the gospel with much contention, that Paul did have some contention. Paul did have some troubles. Don't quit in spite of criticism. Don't quit in spite of criticism. That's what being a servant looks like as you faithfully steward opportunities for service. What would it look like if you had a heart for service? Well, we've read these first six verses and said if you had a heart for service, you would faithfully steward opportunities for service. But starting in the next set of verses, verses 7 through 10, if you had a heart for service, you would gently love those who are in your care. You would gently love those who are in your care. Look with me down starting in verse 7. But we were gentle among you. Even as a nurse cherisheth her children. I gave you some objects the last time that I was at this passage of Scripture. And uh, they were pictures of how you can serve. Well, Paul uses here the nurse that cherisheth her children. You might think of a mother who has a brand new baby in her arms. It never gets old to me when I see a mom with a brand new baby. I mean, there's something about maybe you will uh, be around the nursery sometime here in these next couple of weeks. Maybe you'll be out in a grocery store and you'll hear that cry, that unique cry that's just usually only heard by a baby that's only a couple of weeks old. It, it I don't want to sound too funny. It's almost like the billy goat sound or the, the stutter in the voice. It's not quite super loud yet. You can hear, that's, a, that's an infant, but that's a newborn. And then you see the, the mom's face. And Paul would even go on to talk about a father. You see the father's face? But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being, verse number 8, affectionately desirous of you, we were, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. Because you were dear to us. This being a servant, not only does it look like somebody who's faithfully stewarding the opportunities of service, but if you had a heart of service, you would gently love those who are in your care. We're talking about something here who, that is quite intimate. You know what? I care for you. As a matter of fact, I don't know everybody that's in this room. Truth be told, I don't know most of you in this room. But I would suggest to you that I have a heart for you. I would suggest if we had opportunity, and I have some of you in our Sunday morning Bible study. I, I have had the opportunity and have some of you in classes. I have a heart for you. And you should have a heart for the people that you work with, an opportunity to give of yourself. Paul says, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only. By the way, that is the greatest gift that you could ever give, the knowledge of who God is, but, our, but also our own souls because you were dear to us. Paul goes on to talk about, but you remember, brethren, our labor and travail. There's a work that's involved in being a servant. 
There's hard work that's involved. In fact, if you're working with people, you might even get worn out. Any of you ever go to spend some time with somebody and, wow, you're tired after being with that person? Being with that person, it just takes it all out of me. Now, there are lots of situations that you could find yourself in, but if you're a servant and you're investing in people, giving them the love and the truth of who God is, if you're showing people that there's hope in this world, when they place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you come to the place where you, you lay it all out there, you, if it were possible, would give yourself for them. When you're investing in people, when you come to the end of the day, there's a good chance that you're going to be worn out. If you had a heart for service, you would gently love those that are in your care. And that's hard work for verse 9. You remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. In Paul's particular case, because he loves the people so much, he's not asking them to give him an offering. Come on, he's the apostle Paul. He can take up an offering if he wants to. But he doesn't ask them for anything. In addition to investing himself in people, he works on the side as a tent maker. He, he has a trade where he's able to support himself. In fact, sometimes we'll say when a, a preacher, a pastor is working in a place where the church itself doesn't financially have enough to, to meet all of his needs, that, and he takes on a, a job on the side, well, well, he's tent making. Well, that comes from this place where Paul is not living based off of what the church gives him or this very new group of people that become a church. Instead, he comes to them. He's covering his own financial responsibilities and he's doing all of it, putting the extra labor, putting the extra effort in it because he wants to invest in someone. He wants to invest in something that's worthwhile. Paul says specifically about that, he says, verse number 10, you're witnesses. And God also, how holily and justly and unblavably we have behaved ourselves among you. You can't make an accusation of how I took advantage of you. What would it look like if you had a heart for service? You would gently love those that are in your care. You'd not be taking advantage of them. You give of yourself. You'd be willing to sacrifice. And then somebody says, yes, but Dr. Davis, you don't understand. I'm shy. I may not understand your particular situation, but I'll be the first to admit to you, I'm an incredibly shy person. If you had asked me when I was in high school about whether or not I'd ever stand in front of a crowd of this size right here, you know what, I'm not sure I could have imagined it. I knew that God wanted me to preach. There was only a pro one problem, one big problem. I was scared to death to be in front of an audience. This is kind of a big one. Well, well how do you work through that? Well, there certainly was some training along the way. But part of it was learning how to simply prepare and trust God and then also have something in your heart that you believe that God wanted shared with somebody else. Throughout the years when I would teach preaching classes, I would occasionally have somebody trying to preach in a preaching class who was kind of scared or they're kind of nervous or kind of had a hard time. Maybe they're a really quiet person, certainly a shy person. 
trying to show them what it would feel like to stand in front of a group of people and be able to express themselves with a little bit more energy than the, well, as we're here today, we... Well, how do you do it? I would have an activity where I'd have them get up in class after I found out something that they're really excited about. Something they, they were passionate about. For me, it's the Miami Dolphins, all right? And this year's a good year, kind of, I hope. You find out something that they're passionate about, something they care about a lot, and then ask them to share that with us in the class, something they care a lot about. Paul had a message that had been given to him to God, and he wasn't carrying a Bible that looks just like my Bible, but he had God speak to him, and he's writing letters to these churches of the message that God's given to him, and it burns in his heart. Mark this down, passion overcomes shyness. Passion overcomes shyness when we're servants. If you had a heart of service, you would gently love those who are in your care, and passion will drive you to accomplish things that you might not accomplish otherwise as you seek to serve God. God wants his children to have a heart of service. What does that look like? Well, if you had a heart of service, you would faithfully steward opportunities for service. You would gently love those who are in your care, and then finally, I'd suggest to you, starting in verse number 11, if you had a heart of service, you would purposefully build up the ones you've been called to teach. You would purposely build up the ones you've been called to teach. Start looking with me at verse number 11. And we read these words, as ye know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Ye know how we exhorted, urged. And comforted, help pick up the pieces, if you will, and charged, demonstrated how to be successful, and again, are bringing that urgency to it, as a father doth his children. The goal is not just to teach. The goal is to get you to do it. As your servant, you're not just trying to show somebody else how to do it. You're showing them how to do it so that they can do it too. That's what the servant does. That's the heart of the servant. Time to time in a homiletics class or maybe in a class when I've tried to teach somebody how to create a Sunday school lesson. I, I don't know how to do that. And some of you are writing papers for your Bible classes or you're having to put together a devotion for a speech class or something. I've frequently tried in my mind to go back to some rhetorical processes. And I would teach this, that what you want to do when you stand up is explain. Explain how what you're saying, big thought, comes from the Bible. And then we would talk to, about making sure that you were able to interpret line by line, make sure that people understand what the passage says. And then illustrate. That's when you paint some type of picture that makes sure that everybody's on the same page and everybody knows what we're talking about. And then application. There's a difference between what it says and what that means and then how you put it into practice in your life. Application. But then the exhortation part is at the end. It's kind of like the question, will you do it? Dad comes along and he makes sure you understand, hopefully, he, he makes sure that you have the pieces together and then he becomes that great encourager as he wants you to do it. And he even asks you, are you ready to do it? Would you like to do it? If you have a heart for service, 
you will purposely build up the ones you've been called to teach. So that's what Paul does here in verse number 12. We read that ye will walk worthy of God. So, so why is Paul doing this? So that those that he's teaching can walk worthy of God. You want to be a servant? Invest in others and teach them so that they have the ability to walk worthy of God. Who the passage says, who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. Paul wanted those that were listening to him to get it right. For this cause also, he says in verse 13, thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. He says, I get great joy when I hear that you've done what you're supposed to do. For this cause, thank we God, you know what, Lord, thank you for the opportunity. And look what those individuals are doing. Not because I was great, not because I did something, but you know what, God, because you're good. And because you're great and because your word works. It works that way in life, personally. I get far greater joy when I find out, when I hear that somebody is doing well, necessarily, than then I take even if I do something well. I, I take far greater joy when, when somebody that I've had the opportunity to invest in then takes that truth. Maybe they're smarter than me. Maybe they grow even greater than anything that I've been able to teach them, but they're successful in it, and to God's glory, they're able to do what God has called them to do. This call to be a servant, if you had a heart for service, you would purposely build up the ones that you've been called to teach. Teach people how to do what you do. Not so that you can glory, but so that God can glory. Show them how to do it. Teach them the truth. Praise and encourage them when they get it right. Sometimes we're, we're pushing. Come on, a little bit more. Pushing, a little bit more. Pushing, a little bit more. Pushing, a little bit more. Don't forget when progress has been made, one step, two steps, three steps, to stop along the way and say, hey, folks, you want to look back a minute? Look at what God's recently done in your life. Let them praise God. Let them be encouraged as they see that God has done great things in their lives. Get more joy out of seeing someone else be successful than if you'd done it yourself. I've submitted to you multiple times here this morning that God wants his children to have a heart of service. Paul faithfully stewarded his opportunities for service. He gently loved those who were in his care. And he purposely built up the ones he had been called to teach. He had a heart for service. The question I ask you is this. Will you make the choice today to have a heart for service? You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.